Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. the chapel. What do you think? Wasn't that beautiful? Thank you. And to the worship team for leading us in this beautiful time of worship. As you know, we're on this short series, two weekends on Choose Love. And last week we talked about that we get to choose love because all of us unanimously said that we want a fruitful life, a life that has meaning and purpose, a life that that leaves behind a legacy that our time here made a difference. And and we talked about how God in his mercy gives us a way, one of the ways that he gives us a fruitful life is when we care for the other, for the poor, the marginalized, the needy, those people perhaps who we may not normally associate with, but they need our help. And when we do so, our life produces fruit, abundant fruit. And today I want to cut a little deeper because I don't want us to care for the poor simply for our own benefit, right? And while it's good that God in his mercy gives us a fruitful life in exchange for caring for others, that's not the only thing he wants to do. Today, I want to talk about caring for the other simply for the joy of it, just for the joy of it, not just the joy we experience, but the joy that God experiences as he sees his children care for others. We know that scientists have studied that when we care for others, when we have compassion towards another, we do experience happiness. They they say that we have less lower blood pressure, less anxiety. We might actually forget about our problems for a minute. Like when you care for someone else and and you see their circumstances, it puts your problems in perspective. You suddenly go, wow, I, I don't have it as bad as I thought I did. And it suddenly makes you feel a little bit better about your circumstances. So there's no question that we experience some level of happiness when we care for others. I don't know if you know this uh, Chinese saying. It says this. It says, if you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. How many of us nappers in the house? Yeah, come on. Usually it takes me a little bit to wake up from a nap, but it does work. If you want happiness for a day, go fishing. Any fishermen in the house? A little fly fishing, very relaxing. If you want happiness for a year, inherit a fortune. Win the lottery, which, you know, the statistics are within a year. It's a disaster. But if you want happiness for a lifetime, help someone, help someone else. My my prayer today as we look at God's word is we're not going to just experience joy for an hour or for a day or even for a lifetime. The joy that I want us to consider today is joy that is eternal, joy that goes beyond this lifetime, joy that goes forever as we are in the presence of God, that we might care for the other for that kind of joy. That's my desire for us today. And I know that caring for someone who is in need isn't always easy, isn't it? Have you ever like extended yourself and cared for someone else and actually like poured out some of your time, talents, or resources on someone else's life and it backfired on you? Anybody had that experience? Oh, it happened to me. Uh, As you know, some of you have heard me talk about this. Jim and I have been involved with an organization called the Free Wheelchair Mission for many years. And the very first time that we heard about the ministry, we just fell in love with it, and we were invited to go on a trip. 
and actually watch as people were lifted from the ground and placed on the wheelchair. What a privilege. And we went with the founder, Don Schoenderfer, to Peru. We flew up to Cusco up in the mountains, and we were about to experience the first wheelchair distribution. And as we were driving there, we saw a man crawling on the street. And we thought, oh my goodness, this is so good. We're going to go, and that man's going to have a wheelchair. And so we got to the distribution. There were all these wheelchairs, so many people waiting for theirs. And they received their wheelchairs one by one, but no one gave this man a wheelchair. He was right there. And so we asked about it, and they said, well, everyone has to be registered, and they have to be checked by a doctor before we can give them a wheelchair. And we're like, wait a second, it's obvious this man needs a wheelchair. And so my daughters, Jim and I, we were like advocating for this man, and we pushed and pushed and pushed until they decided, okay, there were a few wheelchairs left. People didn't come to pick them up. We're going to go ahead and give this man a wheelchair. And we felt like we were like conquerors kings. We took pictures with this man. We prayed with him. We hugged him, and we were so excited for him. We watched him wheel away with his wheelchair. We felt so good, so full of joy. And we went off to do other things that day. And as we were driving back to the hotel, we look out the window, and lo and behold, there is a man crawling on the streets again. So we pull over to ask him, what happened? Did someone steal your wheelchair? What occurred? He says, well, I had to take it home because I cannot beg for money if I'm sitting on a wheelchair. And I remember thinking, you know, Don Schoenhofer had this view of taking people off the ground. And he was with us, and, and for a moment, we were all kind of discouraged. And we put all this energy, and it's like, well, this man didn't really value the gift and didn't see maybe a new opportunity before him. And if we had stopped there, if he had chosen to stop there, he wouldn't have gotten so many years later to giving over one million wheelchairs. So there's a chance that somewhere along the journey, we might extend ourselves to care for someone, and it may not work out the way that we planned. We may not experience any kind of return for our time, our talents, or our treasure. But the question is, can we keep doing it even when those situations happen? What would it look like for us to do it without expecting anything in return? What would it look like for us to do it and leave the result to God instead of to our own hands? What would it look like to keep putting one step before the other simply for the joy of it? That's what we're going to look at today. And we're going to look at a story in Luke, the gospel according to Luke chapter 14. So if you have your Bibles, open up there. And let me give you some context for this. Jesus is invited to a party at a house of a Pharisees. And the entire chapter proceeds to tell us how Jesus essentially ruined the party because he pretty much picked on everybody in the room. The whole purpose in uh, verse 1, it says that on a Sabbath, uh, Jesus was, uh, went to eat at the house of a prominent Pharisee while he was being carefully watched. Now, let me tell you, I, I try to find a picture of a Pharisee for you, um, and they're not really good quality on the Internet. You can Google it later. But this, put it this way. A Pharisee was a high official in the temple, in the Jewish culture. He would have known the law. He would have been responsible, essentially, to make sure the laws were being uh, followed through and that the faith was pure. And they wore very elaborate clothing and, you know, picture like an archbishop or even the pope, you know, dressed up in such a way where anytime you saw the Pharisee walk by, you knew, oh, this is an important person with a high position. We're told this is a prominent Pharisee, so maybe he had extra things going on. But put it this way, to be invited to his home 
was a huge honor. And sure enough, we find out that all of these people had gathered together to watch Jesus and what he would do. We're told in this chapter that the Pharisees also invited a man who was ill, who had swelling in his body, some sort of edema. And the point was to see if Jesus would heal the man on Sabbath, which they believe was against the law. And Jesus heals the man. And when they question about it, he answers in such a way that they have no answer. So now they're stumped. What are they going to do now? This is where Jesus kicks in and starts to essentially talk to every person in the room. First, he notices where people sat. Now, you all have a table at home or you have your lunch or your dinners. And do you have like a special spot where you sit at your table? Like, this is my seat. And whenever guests come, you're like, make sure like your special glass is there. Like, don't take my seat. That's my seat. Or have you been invited to a dinner party and there's this really long table and you're looking to see who am I going to sit next to because I want to be sitting next to so-and-so? There's always that special seat at the table. And Jesus noticed that all of the guests came in looking to sit closest to the highest prominence. And he tells them, this picture of going to a wedding is if you're invited to a wedding, don't take a place of honor, a seat of honor, because the host might say to you, Actually, I have someone of higher honor to sit here. Would you please go sit somewhere else? Which would be incredibly embarrassing, right? He says, rather sit in a place of least honor so that the host can choose to bring you into a place of honor. And he gives in the picture to the guests. Don't seek the way of the world. See, we live in the world that is chasing and going up the ladder, each of us looking for more and more authority, more and more influence. We want to be, we want to go to the top. And Jesus is saying, that's not the kingdom of God. The least shall be first. And then he turns his attention to the host. And this is the one that we're going to look at today. And he tells the host this. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. For if you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The challenge with our English translation of the Bible, unfortunately, is that this word for do not might give us the impression that what Jesus was telling these men was, don't ever invite your friends or your family or your rich neighbors. You read it like that? When you look at the Greek word behind it, I wanted to throw it to you. It's mede, and that word actually means do not but or do not only. Now, let me read it to you again. Do not only invite. See? Do not only invite your friends, brothers, or sisters, or relatives, for you will be repaid. Also invite. Think about opening space in your table for the poor, right? The lame, the blind, the crippled. Create space for these people. And not only that, he says, you will be blessed. Again, the Greek word behind this shows a greater picture of our understanding of blessed is to be fully satisfied. You will be fully satisfied. You will experience the favor of God. You will essentially demonstrate the love of God when you open up space in your table for the poor, the marginalized, the crippled, the lame, the blind. He says, then that's what you will experience. A blessing that's beyond this lifetime, it goes past this lifetime. He says, there will be a time when that joy will be made complete. 
So your job is to trust. It's a promise of God. Do it for the joy of it, maybe if today you don't experience it. Realize that there will be people that you can invite to your home. You will never be, they will never be able to repay you. There is no way in their circumstances where they can give you back what you have given them, not even give you a greater return. But we must trust that God is the one who does so at the time. We're told in Scripture, Romans chapter 12, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Keep your heart open for those who might come into your life. 1 Peter 4 says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Open up your hearts. Is there space in your life, at your dinner table, into your heart for someone who is not like you? What would it look like to open up a space for the other and create the opportunity to experience joy eternal? That's what God did for us. You see, God came to us, and us who would be the blind, the oppressed, the crippled, because through sin, we are blinded essentially to our own brokenness. Through sin, we are crippled from living the life that we were created to be. We are essentially held down by our own selfishness and our pride. And God came to restore us into relationship. He made space for us into his table. He invites us into the table. And for that, he has great joy. In fact, Hebrews 12, it says, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus went to the cross. God, Jesus knew the joy that he would one day experience. And while we could never repay Jesus for what he did for us, he chose to do it anyway. That's the reason we can love another, open up ourselves for someone else. Why? Because we were opened up to by God. See, every one of us was created to be a masterpiece, but not a masterpiece to be hanging on the wall. Not just for God to say, look at this, look at my pretty girl, I've made her all wonderful. Look at my guy, look at, he's a great guy. Not just to be looked at. He called us to be active participants in the work that he does. And so we have an opportunity to do so. And by doing so, we get to participate in a different kind of world. The kingdom of God has a different law of reciprocity. Listen to this uh, reading of uh, Luke 12, 33 and 34. I'm reading the translation from uh, Eugene Peterson's translation. As you know, Eugene Peterson translated the whole Bible in just beautiful language, very poetic language, and he passed away this week. So in honor of him, I'm reading a few passages with his translation. Listen to these words. Be generous. Give to the poor. Get yourself a bank that can't go bankrupt, a bank in heaven far from bank robbers, safe from embezzlers, a bank you can bank on. Isn't it obvious? The place where your treasure is is the place where you will most want to be and end up being. Wherever our treasure is, wherever we place our, our, all of what we have, that's where we will go. And he's saying, give to the poor, care for the poor, your heart will follow. The joy that you experience is joy that's beyond this world. And so we can let go of our excuses because, let's face it, we all have an excuse. I'm too busy. I got this going on. I was talking to someone in the earlier service, and she said, you know, I used to receive um, uh, people in my home, and I stopped, and now I feel like, yeah, I'm missing out. I'm missing out of the joy. And I'm going to let go of my excuses and embrace the interruptions because they may have something 
to teach us. It's an opportunity. It's not an obligation. When we say yes and we open up ours, it's an actual opportunity to let the joy of God enter our lives. And it's not a feeling. It's not a a momentarily like, oh, that felt really good. It's, as we said earlier, a long-term eternal joy for us. And yes, it's costly. Let's face it. It's costly. We have to get inconvenience. We have to get outside of ourselves for a moment. We have to let someone in who doesn't look like us, maybe doesn't live like us, has, um, maybe doesn't think like us, and we have to figure out how to enter into relationship with someone like that. So it's costly. Oh, but is it rewarding? And it's rewarding, like I said, not just in this lifetime, but for eternity. And it's rewarding in that we are pleasing our Heavenly Father who gave so much for us. So we might just that, the joy of it, the joy of making our Father smile upon us for what we are doing, right? And it's a lifestyle. So here's the question. Who can you invite into your home, into your life, or into your heart? Is there someone that comes to mind right away that you've been like, avoiding a little bit, not kind of like, oh, I, don't want, I don't want to go there. I keep being prompted, but I don't want to say yes to that. Is there someone or is there a group of people? Is it, is it a community? Is it someone at work? Is it someone in your neighborhood that you could decide, you know what, I'm going to open up myself and trust that God knows what he's doing. Who can that person be? And what if that became a lifestyle for you? that you are always looking. There will always be a seat at your table reserved for someone who might enter into your life and maybe make a little mess out of it for a little bit, just long enough to change your heart, to make you strong. Because if we close ourselves, our hearts get cold, we, our lives get small. When we open up to others, there's a whole new world that opens up when we invite someone in. Philippians 2 says this, again, reading from the message. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, Paul says, if his love has made a difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, you like how Paul gets to it, if you even have a heart, if you care, do me a favor, agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends, do not push your way to the front, don't sweet-talk your way to the top, Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Isn't that a beautiful translation? Forget yourself just long enough to lend a helping hand and experience the eternal joy that God promises. I love this quote. It comes from John Greenleaf Whittier. He was an American poet, and he was an advocate for the abolition of slavery in the U.S., Beautiful um, uh, statement about joy. It says, the joy that you give to others is the joy that comes back to you. And the more you spend in blessing the poor and the lonely and the sad, the more your heart's possession return to make you glad. Ponder that for a minute. The joy you give is the joy that comes back. And while it's still a way of sort of doing something for getting something back. We push even beyond that to times when we give our joy and it doesn't come back. When we extend ourselves, it doesn't work out the way we expected. Believing that the promise that God has to give us 
a joy that's eternal is fixed, and that he makes promises and he keeps them. That one day, one day, we will know all those acts that we took, all those little steps that we took, God will show us how all of that produced fruit. We may not know it in this lifetime. You might care for someone and feel like, whoa, that went nowhere. That didn't work. That actually worked out the opposite than I expected. But I promise you, one day, the Lord will show you. Let me show you. Look at what's happened because of your act. And it might be that you might do one act and it doesn't work, but a brother or a sister might do an act with that person. And over time, that person's heart is changed. You don't know what part of the chain you are in that person's life, in that community, in that, that whole uh, situation. You don't know that. Just be obedient to God. You take your step. You let God do the rest. Again, when I think about Don Schoenderdorfer, if he got discouraged any time that things did not go well, millions of people would not have experienced the gift of mobility, right? So let us be courageous and not stay holding back the good that we've been given. And let us spur one another. I love this. This is out of Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, this is the writer says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promises is faithful. And let us consider how we might spur one another towards love and good deeds. This is the thing. I know we often say, let's not let the hand, right hand know what the left hand is doing. Don't go around telling everybody all the good things you're doing to puff yourself up. Totally agree with that. But at the same time, when we share the things that we're doing with the right heart, we might encourage a brother or sister who may be like thinking about doing but is nervous about doing it. And so you might like take that step and go, this is what I did and this is what I've experienced so that they might do it the same. What if we spur one another so much so that we might be like the first church, Acts chapter 2 tells us, that the grace of God was so powerfully at work within them that there were no needy persons among them. Wouldn't that be something? That we would all do a little part, a little step, that there would be such a change in our community, there would be no needy persons among us. If you've ever been to um, Santa Ana, where we have the ministry, over 30 years, Mariner's Church has been ministering to this community. Families who are living like eight people, ten people into a little apartment are living in such difficult financial circumstances. Children who, if they're not cared for, there will be a statistics or in the gang somewhere. Our church has come along. You have served that community. People have come and tutored. People have come and taught English. They've been there after school to protect the children, to play with them so they won't be uh, pursued by a gang. Over time, that community has changed. It used to be a very dangerous place to go. Now you go to Mini Street, I tell you, you see the joy that is in that community. And while the work is not yet done, there is a huge, huge effort that has been made in that community, and it shows. And so over time, we might see what God does with our effort. What is our role? Simply to say yes. Simply to take a step. And what if, what if God would use us to care for the poor, the needy, so that it would be no one needy among us? And so that we don't think that perhaps, well, you know, that's here in, in Mariners and, um, you know, we, we have our own situation, our own context, and it doesn't work the way, same way everyone else. I have invited a sister to spur us to spur us into movement. Because um, years ago, I went to a conference in Kenya. Mariners invited us to go to a conference. And 
I was sitting at lunch one day to, next to a young man from Sri Lanka, and he was, was very charming. We got talking, and he said, you know, I'm writing a book, and I'm trying to finish it, but I can't finish it. I'm so busy at home. I might fly to the U.S. and take a break and finish my book. And just like out of the blue, like an impulsive moment, I went, well, if you're in the U.S. and you want to write your book, come stay with us. Write it in our home. I didn't even ask my husband. And honestly, I meant it. I meant it honestly, but I did not expect him to say yes, right? I mean, how, interesting, how would that be that he would come from Sri Lanka to come and write his book at our home? So I didn't expect him to say yes. And a few weeks later, I get a call. Hey, Nez, I, I want to take you up on that offer. Um, I want to come and write my book. Can I stay with you two months? So I had to go tell my husband, uh, honey, <laughs> uh, there's a young man coming to live with us for two months. And he did. And we had such a blast. Prashan is a worship leader, and he sang every morning in our home, filled our house with beautiful song, and he finished his book. And then while he was getting ready to go home, he goes, um, well, my sister is coming to serve at Mariner's Church. You see where this is going? And, she, and he said, can she stay with us? She's going to be here for a year. We're like, okay. We went from two months to a year. And so we said, all right. And so she came and stayed with us. And we had such a joyful time. She became like one of our daughters. In fact, I learned that avocados are not to be served in salad. They're a dessert in Sri Lanka. And that, you know, I used to serve Prashan salads with the meals. He's like, what's that? You know, he likes cooked vegetables. Uh, But we learned about each other. Our house smelled like all the wonderful aromas of the food from Sri Lanka. I learned about what they did in Sri Lanka, and we became family. Not too long ago, we got to go and visit uh, um, the parents, Pastor Adrian and Ophelia, at their home. We got to stay in their home, and they hosted us for a time. So you never know. What one little step, where it could take you. And while you might get overwhelmed when you think how far it might take you, every step is a joy, every step. And the adventure that God could take you in is unbelievable. So I'm going to have you watch a short little video about this Choose Love campaign. And then I'm going to invite Pastor Ophelia to come out so we can talk to her about what she does in Sri Lanka so that you can see the kingdom of God is the same in Orange County as it is in Sri Lanka or anywhere else in the world, and how they care for their community, how she stretched out of her comfort zone and cared for the needy in their community. So watch this video, and when she comes up, would you give her a warm welcome? Welcome, Pastor Ophelia. And this is Sarah. She's from our outreach ministries here in Mariners. Thank you, Ophelia, for being with us. Auntie, that's how we call Auntie Ophelia. Um, Thank you for being here with us and spurring us on to do good works. Um, I wanted you to share with us about the work that you do in Sri Lanka and, um, and how the kingdom of God looks like there, how you care for the poor, how you stretch out of your comfort zone. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, uh, I come from Kitusevana. Kitusevana is the church that we come from. And it, the, the meaning of Kitusevana is the shadow of Christ. And we have uh, the main church and uh, the 20 churches all around, more than 20 churches all around 20, Sri Lanka. 20 churches. Yes. And uh, then we serve the widows, the orphans, and the marginalized men and women. Uh, we also have a program called the Distributed Churches. Uh, there are 40 distributed churches where those pastors come from other churches other than Kitusevana and are mentored by Adrian and 
uh, they they are accountable to him their spiritual and uh, emotional needs are met by adrian and uh, we, are, we we don't support them financially but they run their own church but uh, accountable 40 of those 40 yes. of those and then pastor adrian goes beyond sri lanka as well yes uh, adrian is the uh, uh, vice president of partnership development for asian access and asian access is formed in 14 other countries wonderful wonderful so you've gotten out of your comfort zone for sure <laughs> yes <laughs> and cared for so many people yes. and uh, tell us a little bit about some of the some of the stories of the people that you've touched and how you, maybe you personally have gotten out of your comfort zone uh, we have three orphanages and uh, about 300 have graduated from the orphanages and uh, we have uh, one story i can share with you there were three children three girls three sisters who were age 4 3 and 1 and a half 10 years ago they were on the streets and one of our pastors saw them and put them on his motorbike and then took them to the police to get permission to bring them to our orphanage and uh, now they are uh, big what well, the youngest is 10 and a half, 11 10 and a half years uh, she doesn't know anything any other family than than our family uh the second girl is very emotional extreme extremes of you know when she starts crying she cries and cries like you know tears pouring down her eyes like a waterfall and then the when she starts laughing there is no end to laughing the eldest girl is of course a little bit you know she can remember a little bit of what happened as a as a little child and she's very angry with her parents but wants to do well and make a better life for herself that's just three children of the many children you care for so every yes. one of them is different yes. and challenges you and mm-hmm. gives you joy differently right yes and you also care for some widows yes can you tell us about that uh we have a widows ministry where once a week we have a widows club in every church and each church takes care of the their widows and once a year we have a widows camp so about 300 to 400 widows come for that camp and uh, they have a fun time and also a deep teaching yes is there a particular story of one of the widows that you want to tell yes, us yes there is one widow living next to our church she uh, she is about 50 years now she when we moved the church to that area she was she, uh, de- uh, she, uh, she was possessed with many many demons mm. and it took a long time for our pastors to pray over her and deliver her now she's delivered and she's a strong christian she cannot read but she carries the bible all over mm. and uh, also she has opened her little house with seven helped her to build her house uh, it's about 100 square feet the house is and she has opened her house to uh, welcome bid- uh, unwed mothers and then she takes them to the hospital in the public buses and take care of them until the baby is born and sometimes even after the baby is born so she's paid it for in fact she probably learned that from you because your camp is how big yes. how, many, how many meters is your camp uh, 20 acres 20 acres and you have Uh, people come from all, all yeah, different yeah. countries in Asia. Yeah. Yes. Be ministered to yes. there. So she's watched it. She's yes. doing it herself. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. What's been the hardest thing of taking getting out of your comfort zone to care for others for you? Uh and the hardest thing has been when 
you know, when you when there is someone who you whom you have cared for many years go back to the same uh, place where they have, where they where they came from, or where you know they just get angry with you for some reason and go and you know talk behind your back. But that doesn't made us at all stop the work that we are doing. Mm, so good, so good. And what's been the the joy? I know you as a family have been through a lot, mm-hmm. and you've battled cancer and. Praise the Lord, she is cancer-free. Let's thank Jesus. Um, but, you know, that, that was a very difficult season, and mm-hmm. you've had different situations happen. So your own life has been challenging as you're caring for others. Um, how did you get through that? How did the joy of serving others help you get through all that? I think during the time, of ca- during the time when I had cancer, I was able to think back and see, you know, if I had to go to heaven Will I be able to answer God honestly that I have done what he had called me to do? And I felt at peace that I can face God because I never wasted time from the time that I came to know Jesus in 73. I didn't waste time. I reached out to poor people and and did a lot of ministry serving them. And I I felt I was ready to go, but I haven't finished the work. No, now you haven't. <laughs> I'm glad you were ready to go, but I'm glad you didn't go. <laughs> You're with us today. So good. Thank you, Pastor Celia. So good. So as you can see, uh, getting out of our comfort zones can be the same no matter what our context, whether we are in a rich context or a poor context, whether we have a lot or very little. Uh, we all experience the same kind of thing. So uh, Sarah is going to give us a chance to see. We have made it as easy as possible to take your first step, third step, 100 step. I know many of you have already participated in choosing love, but we want to continue to do so. And we've made uh, these opportunities super easy to ch- select. So Sarah, tell us how we can play. Well, I'm just here to remind you of all the great things that you've been already doing by choosing love, by saying, of course, love himself. God himself loved us first. That allows us to do what we're able to do by giving him back the, um, you know, we call it generosity, but we're being generous with what God has given us, right? Our time, talents, and um, treasures. So in ways there are in the bulletins that you were handed when you when you came in, all the information is there. There's an envelope there. If God is tugging your heart to say yes to give generously with your finance today, fill that out or myself and another staff will be outside with an iPad for you to swipe your credit card to give generously today. Um, there's also ways for you to give generously with your time as well as your talents beyond what you, you, you may think, I only have two hours a day. And let's say out of the serve checklist, you're able to kind of, oh, I'm available that day and that time for two and a half hours. L- let me come. I could do. And in a lot of our serve opportunities, it, it isn't just about what we get to do. Is actually as a community, as a church, we're saying yes to the ways that God's already moving by saying, I, I love you, God. So I will choose to love with my time and, and talents, whatever that may be. That might be packing food at the Thanksgiving. That might be at, um, there's dancing in there somewhere. Yeah. There's yeah. an exceptional Anybody famous dancing. The there's some dancing opportunities. <laughs> so essentially we're, putting a party, whether that's a picnic or um, Lighthouse Community Center um, party that we're putting on, you get to come to the parties that we're just 
setting the stage for, and you get to dance on the stage as well as in, and our heart isn't to simply do ministry to any people. Our heart is to do ministry with the communities that we've been called to, whether that's locally or globally as well. So the, maybe the next step for you, um, isn't whether that's your first or the hundredth step isn't for you to maybe, and you're not able to serve with us on the six serve opportunities we have, but maybe God's tugging in your heart to look at the, um, there's a ministry fair map in your bulletin as well, um, which is happening at the upper lot for you to go and just see God happening is today. happening today. So after the service, um, and just say yes to what that may be for you. You, you may be just saying yes to, um, um, praying and giving as well as going to Sri Lanka, whatever that may Recommended. be, um, <laughs> you come talk to me. <laughs> I do oversee that partnership. So essentially what you get to do is um, what our partner in Sri Lanka, uh, Auntie, and, uh, Auntie Ophelia and Uncle Adrian gets to do is not just something that God is doing somewhere over there. And it's not something that you're doing over here that we're inviting to. We're, we're simply inviting you to what God has already invited us to do. All of us. All, all of us. So whether that's locally or globally. And when you go to Sri Lanka, like you have a church, you have a family that you'll be visiting. So why don't you come? Why don't you continue to choose love as you've already been doing? Thank you. Thank you so much. Can I have that card? I'm going to tell him what to do in a second. Let's thank Ophelia and Sarah for coming up. Like I said, in your bulletin, you have a card. You can see it's super simple. We made this as easy as possible. But you just check mark the box of the event that you want to participate in, fill out your name. And there's an offering box right down here in front of the stage that you can drop as you're going through the stations. Um, and then, like I said, there's giving that you can do through the envelope or outside in the patio. And if you don't know what to do, lots of wonderful people will be in the patio and up in the upper lawn who can answer questions for you. But at the end of the day, this is an invitation. As much as we are facilitating all these opportunities, the invitation isn't really from us. The invitation is from God for us to join him to do the work that he's doing. And as we prepare for that, I have this wonderful gift I was given. It's a, a book of um, liturgy little reading for every type of moment. And there's an actual uh, reading for uh, the opportunity of serving. So I'm going to read this over you. And then I want you to take a moment uh, before you just jump off your seats to fill out this card, tell us what you want to do, and then drop it in here. At the chapel, if you're new, one of the things we do at the end of every service is we respond to what God is telling us to do. And so we take a time to get up from our seats. It's not the end of the service. We're way early, not the time to leave. But this is the time where you get to walk around the room and now have a moment between you and God. And there's many ways in which we do so. We go to the cross to confess our sin. Some of us need to do that. We need to go and leave behind whatever it is that's plaguing us, not because we are going to be condemned by God, because Jesus already paid for it, that we might live in victory rather than being enslaved by our sin. We go and we light candles, beautiful picture of hope. We have our elder up front, our prayer team around the room so that you can pray with or pray for, be prayed for. We have the offering boxes along the back. These are all ways in which we can dialogue with the Lord. And very importantly, we come to the table of communion, an important place where we are remembered. Every week, we take the time to remember the gift that he gave us. He came not to be served, but to serve, 
to give his life as a ransom for us that we might have life. So we take communion as a reminder of what he has done for us, that we might remember him. And therefore, because of his love, we can love, right? So you can get up and do any of these stations in any order. I call it a holy mess in the room. I know there's a middle aisle. You don't have to do the line if you don't want to. Just go over there, come in any direction, walk around the room. This is your room for the next few minutes to speak with the Lord. But before you get up, let me read this over you. Fill out the card, and when you're ready, get up. It says, O Christ, who made himself the servant of all, I would set my heart and my affections upon you, and upon you alone, for I can only serve others rightly when such service is undertaken from first to last as an act of devotion offered to you. In serving to you, I am freed from my need for the praise of others, so that even in my kindness are shed from scarred hearts as rain from a sloped tin roof. My joy will not be dim, for I will know that you have received and remembered each act of sacrifice and reckoned it as love rendered to you. So set my love to be sincere and let my service be fearless, O Lord. I would serve in imitation of you who poured out your life for me. I would serve knowing that your spirit is ever at work in the lives of those whom I serve, ever calling, ever drawing, ever seeking to soften the hearts encased in fear and disappointment and anger or idolatry. So let my kindness and sacrifice fall like warm shafts of sunlight on icy ground. I cannot know the end of another person's story. Our lives are so often only briefly intersect. So let me be content to minister regardless of the visible outcome, trusting that the smallest mercy I extend to be woven into the larger theme of redemption at work in the lives of others as you woo them to yourself, drawing their hearts by graces offered and shaping my own heart too. In this process of learning to serve well and learning to serve well and to love the way that you love, you love well. Amen. So take a few moments, fill out the card, and then go have a dialogue with the Lord as he would call you. Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and his work together. Thanks again.